Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Today we will be listening to the conclusion of our conversation with Dr. Missy Clifton. We were in the middle of a conversation with her when we left last episode, so we are jumping in right where we left off. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, you've you've mentioned a couple of times about a business associate agreement. And um, yes. just for those of us who don't know, because I have a feeling there's a lot that will be listening to this that aren't really sure what you're talking about there. Can you explain that, please? So a business associate is someone who is providing a service to a covered entity, okay? And they are doing something. They're, they have access, they're maintaining, they're doing something with that protected health information. And give okay. us an example of who that might be and how that looks. Um, a business associate could be your web people. It could be your copy technician. It could be your IT person. It could be uh, your sonogram person who comes in and works on your sonogram machine. It could be the people who shred your records if you have paper records. Um, all of those people are business associates, um, people who provide. Uh, a way like pregnancy centers are unique in the fact they have this little built-in chat thing happening on their on their websites, right? That information if it, it, it gets stored out here, and let's say I'm I'm the third party who stores that for them, I'm now your business associate. So then Gmail, Zoom, texting, okay. mm -hmm. all of those things. Texting is just a nightmare, but we won't talk about texting right now. Texting is hard. So these agreements, how how does somebody go about, especially with, okay, let's just talk about virtual. That's my space just for a second. Um, mm -hmm. So my biggest issues are Gmail and I looked for a BAA on there and I have a paid account. I cannot figure out how to get one. Um, so it's somewhere under the administration tab. Um, that's what I've been told. There, there is a BAA there. There's something you can check off to, to to establish that with them. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's just a check. I don't have to really. Uh, that's interesting because I, I we could talk about that later. But um, if it's a person, so does somebody have to write up a draft of? It has to have certain language on it. Where do you find an agreement? 
So if you go to learningiscreated.org, go to resources, go to free HIPAA resources. I think it's the last link on my page. I'll take you out to the HHS website and it, you can copy and paste their agreement verbatim. If I'm handing the the HHS or the OCR who's housed under HHS, um, if I hand them their own business associate agreement, they're not going to be able to say a whole lot to me. Now, it is not pretty. It is not fluffy. It is very dry and boring. And when you look through there, you'll see things that are optional. So it may not be something that applies to how you do business and you can delete that out, but you can copy and paste it into your Word document. You can put your headers on there and make it beautiful for what you want it to look like. But everything that could ever be required in a business associate agreement is free and it is available to you. And they just have to sign it once. It's not an annual thing or anything. Okay. As long as you're in business with them and the way they do business and the way you do business doesn't change, then you should be, you should be set. Okay. And I find that many big organizations like Zoom, they already have a business associate agreement and it it is very fine for a pregnancy center or an abortion recovery standalone to accept someone else's business associate agreement. You don't always have to be handing them your, if they've got it, perfect. Just read Okay, it. good. Because I was, I was kind of toying around and looking at some of these things and thinking, you know, if I could get myself prepared just to, su- just to be a little proactive, what would I do? And I went out, like I said, to Gmail and I'm looking for the BAA and I'm like, I don't understand. I can't find it. I don't know what I was looking for. I went out to Zoom and I thought, I don't know if I could find it out here either. And I was just, anyway, it was kind of over my head. And even this conversation is very over my head. I just will be fully transparent, but I'm very thankful for your service to us in the pro-life ministry, because certainly we need people like you who have the experience and the knowledge and the understanding to help us get through um, these kinds of things. I I appreciate your time coming on here and explaining everything that you know, but um, so for us as standalones, what do you think you said, you talked about training, you talked about doing a security risk assessment, Um, you know, small ministry, uh, small budget, you know, what, what's that going to look like for us? What, what kind of, um, I say cost, but we understand that sometimes the cost is well worth it. Right. So what mm-hmm. is that going to look like for us? If, if we do it, if we go ahead and we, we come proactive in this and what might be the cost if we don't become proactive and we get caught behind the ball, what, tell us the difference there. All right, so the cost to do a security risk assessment is going to be your time. Okay. Okay. Nobody's, even though, you know, I'm doing this and, and, you know, I'm not charging myself anything, I'm not doing something where I could be more productive financially, right? So time is always your most valuable commodity and it is going to cost you time. All right. The program is free and you may go through it and you may think, I I just cannot do this, but I promise you, if you will take your time, if you will pray, if you will seek the Lord and just take your time and muddle through it, just get through it one time, you'll have a picture, at least a clearer picture of where you are at and the things that you need to do. Now, depending upon the things that you need to do, that is where some money is going to come into to play in regards to, you know, if, if, if it is encouraging encrypted information is not protected health information. Your Ooh, very best friend, 
your very best friend in the world when it comes to data is encryption. Encryption, encryption, encryption. Anytime you have the opportunity to do something in, in a secure way, and encryption is one of those ways to do that, that is always the go-to. Yep, that's what I'm going to do, okay? So I don't know the cost of encrypting. You know, it's a different cost to encrypt a document as opposed to a file, as opposed to a computer, as opposed to a server. So I don't get into those types of costs, nor do I recommend this over that because technology just changes so quickly. It's just hard to keep pace with everything that's out there. But I do know that encryption is like the safe place. You want to be in a safe zone, encrypt. Um, uh, so the cost for a security risk assessment is going to be your time. And then the recommendations, that's where financial money, the actual money will come into play of how do you implement the things that it's asking you to implement. Are these things the right things to implement for your organization? These are um, business goals. How does, how if I implement this? Because, you know, you could be so secure that you can't do your job. That's not good security, right? So there has to be a balance between here's what my business goals are and here's what I, here's some things I need to do to be secure. But if I do this, then I can't do this. So you might try to do the other thing in a different way that does bring security, but not to the point that you can't do your job. So it has to, there has to be a balance there. You're never, ever, ever, I don't care who you are, you are never going to build an impenetrable system. Never. As soon as you say you've built it, you can cold believe somebody will find a way to get in. So it's not possible to be, if you are that secure, you're not working. And so we have to find a balance between my business goals and how I run my business, but how I run my business in a way that is secure for myself and for my clients. You won't know those ways until you do a security risk assessment. Okay. That's in good. Regards to, in regards to training, oh. um, I can tell you, unless somebody is giving you training for free, and if they're giving you training for free, I would say, hmm, I don't know. But there is nobody, and I mean, there's nobody, and I'm not saying it because it's my training. There's nobody who's going to provide you with the training that I provide you, the quality or the accessibility that I provide. Um, and I do it because it's what God's called me to do. All right. I am an expert in the field. I'm an expert in instructional design. I'm an expert in adult learning theory, online learning theory. This is my wheelhouse and this is where I operate. Um, I know that you do not have the time to have an ongoing security awareness program. There's nobody, there's not another vendor out here that offers and provides that for you. Um, but if you guys, like if you have five of you guys, you guys should get in on one subscription that Learning is created so that you can share the cost and train your people. But if you can, but even if you don't do it with me, you need to be doing training because it, it raises the awareness within your organization of what you're doing. And people need to see it several times before they realize, oh, I need to be doing this. Right. So um, it's just real important that you guys are doing training. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So so who needs to be trained? I mean, most of us are working with a volunteer base. Are all the volunteers leaders There's under HIPAA? 
the definition of your workforce is your staff and volunteers. So if you have a volunteer who has access to protected health information, then they need to be trained. If you have a volunteer who's doing your landscaping and never comes in your office, they do not need to be trained. Good. That's good clarification. So on, on for, for what I'm thinking about is my virtual ministry, right? And mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about Zoom. Um, particularly mm-hmm. because I've, I've heard, I don't know if you and I talked about it or heard it, but zoom is one of those things that could be um, dinged. And I'm curious, how is zoom a violation? You're having live groups where you're talking about things and then you're getting off and it's just you, it's just in those groups, you're not storing their data on zoom. So how is zoom affected? I am not a hundred percent sure how zoom operates, but I do know that if so this is a, an electronic transmission of information, this video, right? So it's out here in space somewhere flying around. All right, you have people who have the wherewithal to capture that information out of the air. How they do it, I do not know. Um, but they have the ability to capture that information. And protected health information is one of the biggest targets for um, identity theft because it doesn't change, right? I can go and change my address. I can, I can, I can uh, uh, change lots of things. I can change a credit card. I can get a new card. I can, you know, but protected health information is very static. And so when you can, when people can get a hold of this information, like a health record is worth like $250 on the black market, one health record. Hmm. So there is, a lot of value in that information because it can be used for multiple types of fraud and it happens all the time. So that's, I don't know if Zoom isn't able to encrypt the video transmission. Um, That's a little outside my wheelhouse of of how they operate, but I would, if that is the case, um, if they're not able to create a secure environment for you to do this in, um, in your eyes, it's secure because it's just you and your group and this is what you're doing. Right. But just the transmission of that video back and forth, it is creating some sort of data trail somewhere um, that someone is able to steal. Wow. Ah. Okay. So technology is a blessing and a curse. I think most of us know that, right? Um, yes. Talk to me for a minute and I'm, I'm really going to, um, sound uh, naive here because I just, I really don't get it. It's not how I think I'm not a, I'm not somebody who's out on the black market. I'm not trying to make money off of other people's information. So talk to me just a little bit, just so we have a little bit of understanding what it looks like to steal health data and use it for purposes of, you know, to me, health data is your name, is your you know, social security number is your address. Some of these things are changeable, the address, the phone number, you know, but some of those, I don't know if that's the data they're using. What exactly are they looking for on those health records that are so valuable to the, the nefarious people? So here's on one, on one side of the coin, it is about the individual. So there is a true to life story that a woman, and I, I, I use this example in my training, um, I don't use her, but I use her story um, that she got a phone call from a hospital and she was getting ready to be in all kinds of trouble because her baby had tested positive for methamphetamines. 
And she's like, uh, my baby's 10 years old. I'm not sure, but somebody had stolen her identity and went into a hospital, birthed this kid and left it, right? Well, they're thinking she's went in with this lady's health information. So now this lady is, they're trying to tag this lady for this baby and trying to, you know, Department of Children and Families, all this stuff is happening in life. And she's like, look, it's not my kid. I don't, you know, but how do you prove wow. it's not your kid? You know what I mean? Yes. So she's in, in the ringer for this baby that's not even hers. And it took a lot of unteasing to, for her to, for, to prove to them, this isn't my kid, you know, that I'm a victim of identity theft. So that's one side of the story. The flip side of the story is that someone is able to uh, infiltrate your organization and they encrypt all of your records, all of your data. And if you want your data, you're gonna pay me $50,000. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. Total, uh, total health systems have been shut down because you know, people have hacked in and they have encrypted their data and they can no longer serve a patient. Um, it also happens with medical devices. So there are many vulnerable areas. And so one of the things that I do in regards to raising awareness is I do provide you guys with a ongoing security awareness program. It's a course that's called quarterly security awareness. And in that course, I talk about like, I'm getting ready to write for July, the thing that's happening right now that you need to be aware of. So I've done things like, this is what a phishing email looks like. Here's what you don't do. Here's what you do do. And it goes out to everyone who's enrolled. And so everyone from your, from your uh, secretary at the front desk or whoever's answering the phone, everyone is saying the same, seeing the same information. And then they begin to recognize, oh, this is a scam right here. Oh, I shouldn't be opening this email. Oh, I shouldn't download this program right here because these are things that we don't think about on the regular, right? Because we're just doing our thing. I'm just looking at my aunt's email. I had a lady contact me and said, Missy, your training saved me because I received an email from my dead aunt. The aunt had died like three months prior. And she goes, for a second, I thought it was from her executor, but it was literally her aunt's email address. And it had this link in there that it wanted her to click. Hmm. And she goes, because I watch your video, I realized that I shouldn't be doing this. And I deleted it. And I'm like, good for you. But these are the things that people prey on, you know, they prey on individuals and they, they, they get the person who isn't aware or that looks fun or yeah, I want a free gift card, you know, um, or they, uh, they open up their, their email on a bus somewhere and somebody sees them inputting their You'd be surprised. Social engineering is one of the highest, fastest growing rates of stealing logins and passwords. Just somebody overlooking what you're doing, just watching what you're doing. It's crazy, mm. but it's happening. So, wow. so the, the cost falls on both sides. The individual is impacted as well as organizations are impacted. It's a twofold cost for us. And that's just, that's just money cost. Think about your reputation. Or the cost legally to fight something like this, if you have your data encrypted. I mean, it's a mess. 
And Mindy and I were talking earlier, we don't want to be paranoid. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to be trusting in the Lord, of course, but we do know we have enemies out there, you Mm -hmm. know, and they've come after the pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. Um, They've come after other Christian ministries. um, And we know that us giving voice to women that have had abortions saying abortion hurts um, is right in the crosshairs of what they would like to eliminate. So we do want to be wise and we really appreciate all this information. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And they're infiltrating at all levels, you know, so it's not, it's bored. It's, you know, they're infiltrating on the board, you know, people are getting fired because of that. They're infiltrating, you know, it through the law, you know, and they're just being totally um, outward and bold and burning things down and violating and vandalizing things. So yeah, they're going to want to come after us that way too, eventually. And so I think it's good that we just know what to be aware of what's happening and to be, so we're not totally unprepared and blindsided if something does happen or if the law comes down, we're like, wow, didn't even know that was in the works. Right? <laughs> didn't even know that that was going to affect me because how many of us are really paying that close attention to the federal laws that are in the works and, you know, you I, are. I know you are, <laughs> don't miss you, but we aren't. And we're thankful that you are. Well, that's, I encourage people to subscribe to the blog in the know because I am watching all this stuff. I try to put all the stuff in one pile where you guys can go to one place to find out the things that you need to know or keep track of. And my newsletter comes out every other month, but if there is something going on, it's in there. You can always, if it, if you don't want to wait for the newsletter, you can go to the blog and just browse and see what's happening of late. But, you know, every other month I publish a newsletter with, you know, the last three articles that I wrote, I might have six up there and I encourage people to go read out there, but anything that's happening, that's changing, that's, that's, that's on the pike. If there's a request for information from the government about a certain aspect of HIPAA, it's out there is because I get all those notifications. So, you know, I try to be that watchman on the wall at the federal level, because that's what I, I have seen. There is no one at the federal level for the, for the pro-life movement. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's got, it's got to be accounted for. Yeah. What was the name of the blog again? It's called in, in the know, in the know it's yeah, on your learning is learning is created dot yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just want to summarize real quick. Um, what I've heard you say, um, that's free for our listeners at your website under resources is a link to this, uh, security risk assessment, uh, is the blog so that we can subscribe and stay tuned into what's going on because you're the one paying attention and you're the expert. Um, the security risk assessment itself is free to -hmm. do, and Mm -hmm. uh, you have other resources. I'm not sure if we talked about them all. And then you also offer training, which is not free, but that is a resource for them to go and look out and check and see what you're offering and how that might help and apply to them. And so Mm -hmm. is there anything I missed as far as what you Uh, suggested? No, you didn't miss anything. I would add that on that um, free resource list down through there, there is a list, a HIPAA compliance list. It's like a checklist for you to just, it might be a good place for someone to kind of download it. It's there in English and Spanish, so they can download that and just kind of look through the list and say, okay, how, how am I doing in these areas? So before somebody dives headlong into that security risk assessment, you know, they might just stick their toe in the water with this list and just kind of you know, just kind of start looking at it. And if anyone belongs to NIFLA, I don't know if you guys um, uh, partner with NIFLA, 
Um, I just um, helped Angie Thomas update their security risk assessment, um, which is good. Um, it's a good starting place, especially if you are a HIPAA covered entity, um, it's only a starting place. But what I like about it is it does start getting you thinking in that way, but it will not provide you with that action plan that I want you to get from that security risk program that I want you to download. Um, the second thing on that page is a link. I've done a video. I need to update it, but there is a video that you can watch for free if you use the coupon code free. On, it's an introduction to this tool okay. that I'm asking people to use. So there's a little support there that way, and um, it'll help you kind of be prepared for what you're going to see when you install it and open it. That's wonderful. Okay. So thank you for all of your free resources. And then um, just to kind of look back, because we talked about so much stuff. And for, I know for me, this is so much of this is just over my head. And I still have a gazillion questions because I just don't understand it. But I'm so thankful you do. But you mentioned um, for those who were listening, um, who are involved in a pregnancy center, their abortion recovery ministry is in a pregnancy center. And you mentioned there's four different kinds of pregnancy centers now are just bottom line, all of them, should they all be taking the security risk risk assessment? Absolutely. Okay. And so for any of you abortion recovery leaders who are under there, even though, even if you have a small center and you're not yet doing medical, you might want to just prepare yourself, especially if your center is heading that way. Because as you said earlier, if abortion recovery ministry is under the pregnancy center, they are going to fall under HIPAA. Yes. So, and then for those of us who are standalone, it might not hurt to just um, go out there and check out that HIPAA list, um, get connected with the blog, um, and view the video. And then um, if we feel it's necessary, take the security risk assessment, because there are some other laws coming down that may affect us. And I think that summarizes what you were trying to get at. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's excellent. Cool. I was listening. All right. I got some things out great. of it. I got that out of it anyway. So I'm so glad about that. I think that we are done here and I'm so glad to have you on. Um, Missy it has been a pleasure getting to put a face to the name since we've talked by phone and spend some time with you today. And uh, if we need you, we'll call you. <laughs> If these Please laws do. come and we find that we're really struggling, especially those of us who are standalone to what to do next, we'll call you back on. And that's one message that I try to share with everyone. I don't care if you're my client or if you're not my client, if you have a HIPAA question, call me because ignorance is not bliss. Call me. I'm here to help you. I'm here to serve you. Thank you. And I can say that is true for sure, because that's what I did. Somebody gave me your number and I called because I wasn't sure because I knew right. the laws were changing and I was like, oh, does this affect me? And uh, you did spend time on the phone with me. So thank you. And that's how, that's why you're here because we had a phone call and I thought, well, maybe other people want to hear this too. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. Thank, thank you, you so much.